Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. I'm James McSorley. I don't know why I introduce everything in this intonation. And I'm joined by zero-time Oscar winner Mark Schofield. How are you doing? That does sound like me. It's not really on my to-do list, but yeah, there's a lot of things I'm zero-time at. Yes, While we're yes. about it, how many Oscars do you have? Uh, zero. Um, less than everything, everywhere, all at once. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it would be fun to be nominated for something like that instead of calling yourself an Oscar award nominated, whatever you say, an Oscar loser, which would be fun. <laughs> uh, I think I've yeah, seen yeah. that in someone's Twitter bio or something, but... I don't know what the deal is with that everything everywhere all at once, but we... Have you seen it? No, no, no. Um, I, didn't, I didn't like it or get it. I'm drastically behind on movies. I tend to watch them on like a seven to ten year offset from when they came out. But um, you do have a several month old daughter, so you yeah. probably haven't been out a lot. This is it. We um we woke up during the night last night because she needed feeding, and it's typically like I'll get her ready, pass it to Gabby, and Gabby will feed her. And there's like normally an overlap period where we're, whoever's like not actively doing something is just like trying to wake themselves up or, like, looking at what notifications have come through on the phone in the night. And <laughs> about half three, this was, and Gabs was like, everything everywhere all at once has won, like, this many Oscars. I was like, I've literally never heard of that, and I that doesn't even sound like a film. <laughs> this sounds like you're telling me a riddle in the middle of the night to test me. Yeah, it was very weird, and it was one of those where I was like, a lot happened. I didn't really know what was going on. And I probably would get it a bit more if I watched it back again, but I didn't enjoy it enough to go through it again. So it's like, you need to get me in enough that I'll watch it twice if I'm going to have to watch it twice. (laughs) But like, I don't know. I I assume it rewards rewatching slightly, but also it's not my, it's not their fault. I don't know what's happening, but yeah. Anyway, I, the, the Oscars is like, that's, that's a real thing where like, five years later you're like what what do you mean this thing won everything like bill simmons idea where they should give the oscar out five years late yeah i, yeah, I, had, quite the, smart. I had the same thing with nba rookie of the year because it, there's like so many outlier winners and five years later it's like how did this guy beat this guy out for this like there should be should be a check-in awards at least once every few years yeah, these guys are playing Euro Cup two wheelchair basketball in five years time you're like ah, <laughs> thank god Hey, take it away, Mark. I've I've just set it up for you. Well, you could have set it up by saying Euro Cup three because that's where we were going to start, but couldn't make my life that easy, could you? Um, You're like talking about Euro Cup two <laughs> plus one. Um, yeah, so we're gonna obviously it was the group stages of Euro Cups one, two, and three this weekend. It was also the quarterfinal stage of Champions Cup. There have been more games than I would hazard a guess at, and I also couldn't work it out formulaically because random groups only had four teams as opposed to five. Um, So we are going to kind of go from the bottom up. We're going to talk about what happened at Euro Cups 3, 2, and 1. Bit of a roundup, talk about how the finals are going to pan out for those respective divisions. And then obviously the kind of big calling of the whole thing was the Champions Cup quarterfinals, which we will get to towards the end of the episode. So Euro Cup 3, um, I will preface this by saying one of the groups that had four teams was hosted by PDM Treviso, and they only live-streamed on Facebook, and I wasn't up for watching that because I don't use my Facebook account and everything else was on YouTube. 
So if you're not willing to get with the program, I'm not willing to watch your games. <laughs> uh, shout out to PDM Treviso, uh, featuring some of my old teammates. And yeah, my guy Nico Favretto getting the All-Star 5, which we will go through in a second. But they finished top. And as is the case in EuroCup 3, only the top team goes through to the EuroCup 3 finals round. So... James, I don't know if you caught any of this from your busy weekend, but the highlight of the entire competition on this front was Dominique Mosler taking 40 shots in a single game. I heard about this. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't catch any of that because once again, I was playing and I kind of found time to watch all the Champions Cup games and, you know, the next best thing, which was Euro Cup 3 group b but um <laughs> no i didn't say that i just but i it's funny when you come away from a game and you get five messages that were like good game or unlucky or whatever and then you have 20 being like oh my god this guy took 40 shots <laughs> <laughs> i love it though someone's gotta go man someone's gonna get done. so funny he's like obviously had a massive career in europe like bouncing around the various leagues or whatever it's so funny that he's just decided he's like hey I could have gone back to Hiers and lived, you know, on the beachfront in Monaco, or I could go back to wherever KSS Mustang Conan are based, and I could take approximately one shot every minute for the entire basketball game. Um, that is, yeah. like, I don't know if you've got the stats for that, but, like, how many, I don't know, like, you're taking two-thirds of your team's shots at that point. Yeah, let me grab it, because I sent it into the group chat with you and Mendel. You can stall in the meantime. I just think that's hilarious because it's like, I don't know, I've had conversations with people about um, coaches being like, hey, we want to get this many shots up for this, that, and the other. And you're like, you do know that like the other team kind of needs to play ball with that as well. I'd love the other team to just be like, all right, let's go. Let's turn this into an absolute just like shootout. But then, I don't know, I think at that level, having a shootout, Dominic yeah. Mosler might be enough to get it done. <laughs> Mark. Mosler took 40 shots out of 76 attempts by Mustang Conan. Oh, wow. Uh, They're really getting up and down. He must, have t- he must have taken a couple of quick ones. I was going to say they... Yeah, put- I mean, he was 70- 17 of 38 on two-point attempts, and I've never seen him shoot anything outside of like a layup or a post-up around the charge circle. So I feel like we're spending too much time on this, but this is one game that if anyone is seriously intrigued, then this might well be worth a rewatch. Um, it's so unless... funny that like anyone who does actually come to this for any consistency of content would only assume that we'd spend a lot of time talking about Champions Cup, but someone takes 38 shots in a game in EuroLeague 3 and you think we're not going to talk about it? This is the joy oh. of EuroCup, is you just see all this bizarre stuff go on. like Especially when there's so obviously like overmatched teams or teams that haven't been able to dig out any video of each other. They're <laughs> just like, yeah, we'll just roll out and do what we do. And apparently what Mustang Conan do is do- pass Dominic Mosler the ball and see if he can take him home. I uh, just love the like, oh yeah, that guy of EuroLeague yeah, uh, yeah. weekends. Yeah, yeah. We're like, oh, he's there. Or like just people that you thought stopped playing, but they're just like somewhere east of Germany <laughs> playing. You're like, oh yeah. <laughs> Someone that doesn't stream all the time. Yeah. Um, so quickly, all star five for Group A. Daniel de Vosta, um, who I think is of Lepers de Guillaume Bordeaux, Hannah Dodd 
of Treviso. They got two Aussies over there, which I don't know. That's like a sneaky under the radar. They've got one of the Aussie like men's extended squad and Hannah Dodds from the Aussie women. They're a couple, so I think they were just like, "Hey, shall we move to Italy for the year? What a time to be alive!" Yeah. Um, yeah. What a great move. What a great yeah. life decision. Uh, Dominic Mosler, Enzo Trabuchet, and Nicola Favretto, who. Yeah, Treviso are probably not going to make any noise above Euro Cup 3 level, but as far as teams go in that stretch, they're not to be trifled with, man. they got some size and they got some decent players, so it wouldn't surprise me to see them finish pretty high up in the standings. We'll obviously talk about the um, the kind of final round when we get there, but yeah, relatively impressed by them relative to competition. Sure, um, sure. Do we want to do? We'll get the other four team one out of the way. Uh, because this was the other, I didn't watch a second of this one either, but that was because the teams were mostly awful. Um, <laughs> so this one was Sassari, Reggio, Calabria, Lil Handbasket, and a team called D Junior Team, which I, I think, think it was, was actually just Sassari. Yeah, yeah, Sassari's putting a B team into Euro Cup, which he's. <laughs> A B team who they wouldn't even do the honor of calling their B team. They call them their D team. But I, uh, I also just like it's weird that like I don't know. You have to go through this process of going to the qualifying Euro Cup below Euro Cup three to get in, and this, that, and the other. But like you can also just not have enough people to come to Euro Cup and just put your own guys in. Well, well what obviously happened was this must have gone down from like five teams to four and they were like okay we can run it with that and it must have gone down from four to three and they're like hey host team can you just throw out five guys who can play some of these games yeah. um, i don't know i just feel like there's probably a handful of teams that are in the qualifying tournament whenever that is that depending on how late the notice this was obviously that might have been the yeah. issue but i feel like there are a couple of teams that would have loved to have stepped into that because i don't yeah. know that's i mean really- I, w- I wonder if sassari came in um with their B team because they didn't much fancy the idea of like Mercia being like, we'll take a spot. That's what I mean. Something like that. Um, I don't know how any of this works. It might've been hard to sort that, especially if this happened later on. If I don't know when the teams drop out. Like I see a lot of people on the IWF social media being like, what about this? What about that? And they're like, listen, teams dropped out. And we didn't like, there was no better way to sort this. So I imagine it isn't easy, but yeah, do not I just think like organize this stuff. There were there were probably ways to sort this that weren't just random team that doesn't exist getting to be in Euro Cup. <laughs> well, the, I think the um, I think the kick of this, if I'm not mistaken, is, is that Sassari ended up with three of their guys in the All Star Five because I think that like some of their end of the bench guys must have played for their second team. So maybe that's what they're after. They were just juicing the numbers. In fact, maybe even four of their guys, although the other Italian name could well be from. Um, Calabria. Um, yeah. But yeah, this was, I mean, Sassari were always set up to win this one. I don't know that was any massive surprise. Um, they've they had, they had a 50% chance. <laughs> they've had a pretty rough couple of weeks with um, going against Cantu in the Italian League finals, but I don't think any of these teams really posed a threat to them. Um, yeah, and I think it's weird because I still don't think Cantu are great, but I wonder if getting to the Euro Cup three finals now will give us a better sense of who Sassari actually are versus, you know, having been fine against bad teams in Italy and then 
mixed results against good teams, maybe this is the true litmus test of their season. Plus, yeah, they played but... they played this group without Mendel, um, who presumably will be going to the finals. Although, wasn't a massive help in turning it around against Cantu. So <laughs> who knows? Oh, poor Mendel, getting yeah. getting stray bullets. Yeah, um, um, it's so funny that we're like we won't be that we won't be that rude about any players except the ones that we know well enough that we would say it to them. Um, but he'll yeah. he'll take it well. Um, All stars for Group C: Claudio Spanu, Alessio Billy, Sally Udine, Pimco Franchi. I'm gonna butcher that. I apologize. And Oras Cristiano. So three or four Italian guys in Sassari's group call it rigged or whatever but if it was rigged maybe they would have had enough teams okay. it's, not, it's not rigged it's just the scales are tipped by only yeah. having three teams okay shall so we get on to somewhat surprisingly probably the best group stage outside of um the two champions cup quarterfinals which took place in euro cup three yeah this was very strange but i guess it is just you can kind of build a wheelchair basketball team up in a handful of years and you can like if you just sign enough decent players over a couple of years you can be a good team and not have signed up to Euro Cup enough to have made your way up to because you really need like five six seven eight years yeah well it's that plus plus the fact that the points haven't rolled over for like the last two or three seasons so there's teams here that have like accelerated their timeline pretty substantially but obviously haven't been able to compete or if they have been able to compete then because it's been the weird like covid contracted tournaments then not contracted as in contracted covid but contracted as in short um yes um but so you've got this group being led by the team that was runners up in the EuroLeague one finals last year but those (laughs) early one finals weren't seeded by qualification they were just like pulled together by ranking maybe i assume but i don't know um but yeah this ended up being the hanover first vitalid second lepuy third bergamo fourth and what is that 15 capsa but i don't know paris um, oh yeah paris yeah you're right sorry i did not watch them play um, no, cool. um so oh, yeah God. The story with this one was this was actually a three-team tie in terms of wins and losses. Um, so Han- let's get this right. So Lapui beat Vidalid on day one. Vidalid then beat Hanover, and Hanover then had to beat Lapui in the final game of the tournament to finish top. So there's a ton on the line here, considering that only the team that gets seeded first actually qualifies. Yeah. Um, and I think you saw that with like one of the most interesting points of the whole weekend for me was Hanover rolled out against Lapui and they won the game by 17 to assure their points difference win. But they played five guys for 40 minutes, which has been very uncharacteristic of them. They've tended to have like at least three, if not four lineups that they experiment with in given games, uh, which they yeah. definitely did against Vidalid, slightly to their detriment, I would have argued. Um, but yeah, I thought it was like it seemed ridiculous that in the last game of you know an intense weekend, you would just roll out the five you trusted most and leave them rocking for forty minutes as you racked up a nearly twenty point win. But I think it shows you kind of the maybe desperation is the wrong word, but I think teams are very aware that there's no room for messing about. Yeah, hundred percent. This is a weird one as well because we 
they, I don't know. They had they had they had a stream, but it also just dropped out in the most important moments of several <laughs> games. Like I think half of oh, it's the last quarter of Hanover Violet, which as I like apart from Champions Cup, that was next on the list to be like appointment viewing. Um, <laughs> and it just dropped out in between the third and the fourth quarter. Um, I think via the late Lepuy was the same, only the first half was on there, and it's like... Yeah, yeah good on. Good thing these games aren't massively consequential or anything. Um, but yeah, I thought this was... I didn't really know what to make of these three. I know Hanover won the group on points difference, but I thought the Hanover Vidalid matchup was really strange. Um, Vidalid obviously playing with slightly different units because from what I understand, Yelma doesn't get his junior point um, when he plays in Europe. I think it was Yelmer. I don't think it can be anyone else. Yeah, no, Yelmer doesn't get his junior point, and also they don't have to have a Spanish national yeah, player yeah. on the floor at once. But yeah, They kind yeah. of do most of the time anyway, but they don't have to, which makes a yeah. difference. Um, and I thought they got out to a decent start against Lapui, and then I think Lapuy have kind of snuck by us because we don't really cover France, but they're like top in the French league and I, they have a very well put together team um, that is kind of, in a lot of ways, is quite similar to how Hanover are built. And it just seemed to, they seem to be able to get inside on Vidalid pretty consistently, which they don't have a massive amount of shooting. The two Latvian guys kind of make just enough that they can keep you honest. Um, and then. They play kind of the the one true big in Omazidi, and they've got the two kind of mid. I think one three and one three five is their classification. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, they just they for a team that doesn't have a lot of shooting, that I've thought look, we really maximise their kind of ball movement and milking little gaps in the you know swing the ball and try and manipulate the defense just a little bit and get inside, and that's Zidi's very good at that. Yeah, uh, I didn't yeah. think it would give Vidalid as much trouble as it did. And then when that was the formula against Vidalid, I think this is one of the downfalls of like everyone being in the same sports hall all weekend is I think Hanover with their mids lineup were kind of like, yeah, we're not like that guy's not cutting to basket on us. Like in a similar way that when we saw it's obviously different caliber, but when we saw Illunion and San Stefano a few weeks back, Illunion were basically like, yeah, just like if this guy comes into any space on or off the ball, just stop his chair. Like we'll take him being picked for and try to cut, but we're not just letting him sliver to the basket. And that turned out to be enough for Hanover, which I mean, I would have loved to have seen these three teams play just like, could we just get a three team tournament where these guys all play each other a handful of times? Uh, And that's no disrespect to Bergamo, who I thought were pretty competent. And some disrespect to Capsa, who I didn't think were very competent. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this was I could watch I could watch these three like go around, but this is kind of the appeal of some of this Euro Cup stuff, right? It's not always about the absolute most talented, best executing. It's about kind of the weird. We always talk about you know what would happen if you know uh, left. Not last process, but like Leganes and Munsterland got to play each other. Like they're not the two best teams in there leagues but they're like kind of mid-table versus mid-table yeah, yeah. this was like our, our Portland versus Indiana <laughs> dream realized right yeah like I think 
we spoke about this a while ago. We were like, all right, let's make a tournament of the best teams that aren't at Champions Cup. And we actually got into like, do Hanover beat by the lead or do Mercia beat whoever. We didn't talk about Louis because I don't think we ever do. But (laughs) no, I was talking to someone about that as well. And they were like, oh, that's surprising. Louis beat um, by the lead. And I was like, yeah, like. I, I guess it's surprising, but I don't know if there's a reason to... I don't know if, if you can call it surprising if you're not basing your assumption of actual knowledge of the situation. Like, I was like, that's surprising, but also I haven't watched Lapuy since last I year. Would, so I, would I, have like, been, I would have thought you'd have been surprised based on your inherent Spanish league bias that you stick to. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Like, that is, <laughs> that, is, that is why the person I was talking to was probably surprised as well. Because, like, this team that I play all the time and think are pretty good. It's just the thing of, like, team that beat us by 21 earlier on in the season got beaten by a team I don't watch at all is surprising. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Like, if I yeah. never watched Thuringen, that wouldn't, that still shouldn't be surprising. But, I mean, yeah. Uh, but, that's fair. Um, yeah, we'll do the All Star Five for Group B real quick. So it was Fabian Romo, Vidalid, Rymos Baginskis of Lapui, Adrian Perez, also Vidalid, Jan Sadler, who we didn't mention this when we talked about the Hanover Vidalid game, but Jan Sadler had about a three minute stretch where he decided he was going to bring them back into it by himself. So shout out to him. Um, and then Gustavo Villafanier of Bergamo. And yeah, shall we very quickly touch on who's going to be going to the EuroCup 3 finals? Yep. All right. So if I can vamp along long enough to find it, it is Yalova, London Titans, Izmir, Hanover United. Also, if you notice, I'm just not pronouncing any Turkish word longer than one syllable, <laughs> or longer than two. No, no I got a three in there. Hanover, uh, Pilatus Dragons, Toulouse, Treviso, and Sassari. So um, what's the call there based on the fact that we just mentioned that we're kind of more likely to talk about teams we know are good well, than teams we don't know are or aren't? Well, like, there is that, but Hanover are by a long way the best team in this group. Yeah, um, I would think so. On paper, at least. Pilatus were the perpetrators of one of the worst games I've ever dipped in and out of where they, I can't, <laughs> I can't remember if they won or lost, but the final score was 40 to 43 in a Euro Cup one game. And I was like, get me the hell out of here. I'm not watching Which is this. weird because like most Champions Cup quarterfinal games ended up like that at halftime, which we'll get on to, but that is obnoxious. wild. Um, I would say my final three are Hanover, Sassari, and... I think I would then be very interested in Treviso and probably Izmir as the going for the bronze. I would lean Treviso because I'm slightly biased towards a couple of my friends. Um, ah, and, what's that like? <laughs> um, although, yeah, we'll we'll get to Izmir as we talk Euro Cup two now, but they they're certainly not to be trifled with. Um, yeah, should we do Euro Cup two? All right, let's do Euro Cup two. Click, 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 scroll. <laughs> For God's sake. There's just too much information, man. Um, yeah, so deal with Euro Cup 2 is, as it's a step up from Euro Cup 3, 
then the first team goes to the Euro Cup two finals, second place team goes to the Euro Cup three finals. So top two qualified. And in Group A, it was a double Turkish qualification as we got Fenerbahce finishing top and Izmir Buyuksa here finishing second. I have no idea if I can speak pronounce Turkish things or not, but I don't try. Yeah. Um I think the big news here is, and we will touch on this on a segment we're going to do to end the podcast, but Fenerbahce might be, we've talked about, you know, it takes a couple of years to rise up the rankings. I imagine some of the teams who are in the Champions Cup qualifiers are watching this Fenerbahce squad with a mounting sense of dread about what (laughs) might happen in a couple of years' time. Um, Yeah, these guys are furious about basketball and <laughs> yeah this is i mean they in terms of the guys they roll out and they might have as good of you know as good of a top eight players that they go to as you know anybody who is in the kind of maybe outside of the final four um and i can't this was actually the first game of the whole weekend i turned on because this being hosted in turkey was two hours ahead of UK time rather than one hour ahead, so this tipped off early. Um, and this Izmir team is like actually full of guys that I think we're relatively familiar with, like a bunch of guys we have played against and seen in the Turkish juniors and stuff. Yeah, I met Efeturk and his brother are there. Uh, they've got another three point double amp who's pretty competent. And yeah, it got. I turned it on and Fenerbahce were just going four big and caning the life out of this very obviously but like four four massive as well like people say four big and like generally it's like two big guys and two guys that like aren't small like mid-sized yeah, I, threes but I've this is someone, more beast. I've heard someone described Thuringen as four big before when they roll out like Linden and Jens and it's like yeah no that's like that's four guys who can hit a post up against the right matchup this is four guys who can hit a post up like <laughs> Yeah, um, these are four guys that can post up the two of the four guys you just mentioned. Um, <laughs> yeah, this Fenerbahce team, man, I watched this game, I checked the stats, and the thing that got me was Ismail R, Ferrit Gumus, and Mortez Erbidi, who are three starters at international level, or have been in their careers, played about 10 minutes each in this blowout win of the obvious second best team <laughs> in the group, and I was a bit like, oh no, <laughs> like this... This team's for real. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's just a that's just like a side effect of kind of having to go through the having to go through the ranks there and just having to play Euro Cup two when they're definitely good enough to be hanging around Euro Cup one at least. Yeah, definitely. But I think that's the thing of like. Also, we don't really track player movement in the Turkish league because it like some of their streaming is pretty inconsistent, or maybe our ability to find it is inconsistent, but. You kind of don't realize that, like, oh, these five guys have moved from Galatasaray to Fenerbahce or yeah. back, or they've gone to a third team. And you're like, okay, so the people who are starters at a club that goes to Champions Cup qualifiers, like, four starters move over to another club, but they're at EuroLeague two now. Hmm. Yeah. And obviously, you can't just, I don't know how much more of an equitable way there is to do it apart from have it like football where you qualify based on how you do in your domestic league the season prior, but like, this yeah. just happens every so often where you have like an absolute well no put it it's kind of just like if any one of Hanover or Via the Lead or Lepuy were on their own in Euro League three, it's kind of what would ha- it's kind of the same thing. 
yeah. where they're all like all of these guys could all of these teams could have probably played Euroleague one. Yeah, I I came away from this weekend generally thinking the Turkish league we obviously don't follow a lot. I think I have a like passing knowledge of generally who plays where, but I do look at some of these clubs that are seemingly on the rise, man, and I think it was obviously like the Division B Europeans last year where there's a load of countries with like able-bodied basketball history in like Serbia, Slovenia, who seem to have like one or two talented guys each and the rest of the club's not quite there. And I do wonder how long it is till some of these Turkish teams are looking at picking those guys off in the Hmm. same way that Thuringen kind of cornered the market on, you know, the, the like Russia, Latvia, Lithuania guy, Thuringen were a little bit ahead of the curve on there and picked like the couple of good players from each of those countries. And yeah, for sure. I think Turkey might be looking to tap that market up next. Well, that'd be uh, interesting. If so, I think that league's going to get pretty deep pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, it might be, you know, we might be doing the weekend roundup in a couple of years' time and we're leading the thing with Turkey. Who knows? Oh, the, God. I guess the um, the weird thing is they do this all with, like, outside of Galatasaray's runs over the years. They basically have no imports from, like, Western Europe at all. Um, so it's kind of just like a separate basketball quarter. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was certainly impressed by Fenerbahce, but also I think Izmir are pretty good. And like I say, I think they will contend and give some teams some trouble in the competition they've ultimately qualified for. Uh-huh. The other the other two teams in this group, um, Polish team, Shisori Kielce, I think that's how you say that, and Malin Grenoble, were up against it <laughs> against the two Turkish teams. Oh, definitely, just a weird mismatch. Like, yeah. and I don't. Yeah. yeah, it's just how I don't like. It's just these guys were just sorted into yeah. pools, I guess, fairly randomly and unfortunate. Yeah. They were just unfortunately prey to the fact that there were two teams in there that are good enough to be further up, but they're in the process of building. Like, you can sign a player for next year far quicker than you can move up. The yeah. Euro Cups. Um, but yeah. So, so um all stars for group A. Um so from Izmir we got Axoy Ridvan and Ahmet Efeturk, Ishmael R of Fenerbahce, and then Zuer Shala, little Moroccan double amp who I'd completely forgotten had moved to Grenoble, but that is the case. And from Shisori, we've got Shimon Gladys. I think that's how you say that. Um but yeah, I'm just letting you take all the names. Um, um, but yeah, obviously those two, the bottom two teams don't qualify. So, I mean, all stars from teams that don't qualify, I don't love. But I also, I, I think you actually could have accurately represented that group with just guys from the two Turkish teams. But I understand why they don't want to do that. Yeah, um, I think there is a like I was talking to someone about this the other day. I think if you have a group of four or five teams, considering that you cannot vote for someone on your own team and the votes are only coming from coaches or whatever's from the other three teams, like that does kind of make the voting pool small enough that like weird stuff can happen. Like a two votes can yeah. get someone in there, one vote can get someone in somewhere, depending on what happens, but like I was talking to someone in terms of one of the other all stars, I think it was one of the Champions Cup ones, and I was like, "Yeah, it's just stuff." Like you can literally get to the point where it's like one person has voted extra, like one yeah. person has one more vote, and you're like, "Ah, all right, yeah, fair enough, you're in." 
Was like, this yeah. arguing your case for why you should have made it? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I, I was sitting sort of, we were right beside the Union guys as the all-star team was announced for our round. And like, as it happened, I was like death taxes and Greg Warburton in the two pointer spot <laughs> and, as it should be. Um, yeah. Although we'll get on to that. Um, we will. Should we cross off the other Europe Cup two route first? Let's do it. All right. So that was number one. Yeah. Number two, Hurricane 92. Uh, three, Toulouse. Four, um, Tel Aviv. And five, RBB Flinkstones Graz, which is a great thing to name a wheelchair basketball team, probably. Do you think <laughs> Do you think a team called Flinkstones, if anyone's foot slips off their foot plate and their feet are like on the floor beneath their chair, they have a moment of like, ha ha, Flinkstones. <laughs> um, probably not. Sure, that's what happens. Um, yeah, so we got a double Turkish top two in um, the other group. We got a French one, two, three in this one. Um, the Hiers and Hurricane 92 game actually went into overtime. I don't know if anyone spotted this who's watching. That was probably not hugely high on anyone's watch list. But I was going to say, considering when I clicked on via the lead, um, uh, Hanover, there were 32 people streaming. I don't know how many people got to this one. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the takeaway from this is um, Hurricane 92 are obviously trying to build pretty quickly. They're based in Paris, um, and it's obviously the Paris Paralympics coming up soon. Uh, Safian's kind of the face of that team. He had a great time ripping up on the weaker teams, and to be honest, there wasn't even a lot he has can do about it. This is kind of the perfect level for him to play his game at. Um, but the overwhelming story of this group is bench unit's favourite, Nico Joancey, has still got it. In He's the, the man. However much he needs it. And I don't think he had... I, I think I scanned through their stats and he only had one game where he scored under 30 and he had 28 and that was because he played 21 minutes. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what has happened here? There you go. Uh, yeah, so... Hiers have been out of Euro Cup for a little while and I think have seen this. It's not their strongest team they've had, but I think they wanted to get back into it and think that might get them back on the map a little bit. Um, but yeah, they obviously knew the other French teams well enough that I think they they certainly knew what a matchup problem Safian was for them, but I think they're able to mitigate that. They don't really have any... Well, they, I was going to say they don't have any quick guards. They don't really have anyone quick. They just play at a glacial pace and Nico knocks a shot down at the end of the shot clock. Yeah, um, to be fair, um, to be fair, Sofiane ended up with 31, 11, and 11. Yeah. Like, but... Yeah, uh, it was kind of a... This game might define the thing, obviously, but it was very much a you can't really stop us, but we can't stop you. So it was yeah. each team bringing their own style. And yeah, I think Pierre's are one of those teams where because they're so built around Joancey, the talent drop-off of what they've had isn't as hugely detrimental as what it could have been. They play that, uh, I don't know if he's a 4 or 4 5, I think he's Israeli, Peleg Selzman. Um, they play him in kind of the spot that Dominic, that has been previously occupied by Dominic Mosler and Lalo Prieto, yeah. and he's obviously not either of those guys. But between him and they've got a young French junior four or five who I've not seen a whole lot of, but had a, a good game 
in this one. And yeah, Pierre seemed to have just enough, man. And they, I think they might struggle in the final round, but they're certainly good enough to put these teams away. I would say they will. But yeah, um, I don't know. Having just having the consistent scoring of Nico Joanzer gets you through games against lower levels of opposition like that. It's just like with such a long frame in his chair, it's like the dark fadeaway of just like <laughs> you can't contest this, so I either make it or I don't. And boy, do I make it! But, but yeah. Nico Joanzer, he made the All Star five for the group. If there was an All Star five of guys who've released their shot and then have their like hands outstretched, palms upwards, like asking the referee why that wasn't a foul before the shots even like hit the basket, <laughs> like the number of times he like quick releases so he can snap into that pose of being like, why aren't you calling that? Like <laughs> it's so funny. If there was an All Star five of that, he would get all five spots. Yeah, uh, yeah. The only quick movement is to be like, hey, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to call that. Uh, uh, so All-Star 5 for this group. Jérôme Duran of Fiers, Christophe Edler of Toulouse, Roy Rosenberg of Tel Aviv, Sofia Mewi of Hurricane 92, and Nico Joancet also of Fiers. And can I just um, say, the IWBF Europe Instagram account posting all the All-Star 5's uh, surname, then first name, except this one, <laughs> is unintentional, really strange behaviour. <laughs> It's Shall not I? important, but man, is it upsetting me. <laughs> Should we have a look at the finals group for Europe Cup 2? Which may may or may not happen on account of it being scheduled to be hosted in Madiba. Yeah, that's a weird one. So um, you've got Madiba, uh, Ilan Ramat Gan, uh, Halakem Haifa, Yeah. Uh, Julianova, Mo, Cologne, and Fernabache. This is this is more like it. This is more interesting. Yeah, yeah. This is this, this is a lot of fun. Group, I am I'm going to this. Yeah, what's your top three? I'm going Fernabache and Julianova in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the bronze game will be between here and Madiba. Um, I don't know if Madiba will be very good for. a a weekend long tournament because they only have like six guys, but I think they have the the ability to bully some of the weaker teams here. Uh, I don't know if I have full faith in either Mo or Cologne, but um, I think yeah. I mean, I, to be honest, I I write off the Israeli teams. Ilan Ramagan are only here because they went to a qualifying rounds where four teams qualified and there were only four teams. So yeah, they, yeah. they get no votes from me um, here, whether they like it or not. What's um, your What's your top three? Fenerbahce to win it. Julianova yeah. um, maybe, um, and then somewhere between. Madiba, depending on if they can get through however many games. How many games is it in a weekend? Is it six? Uh, normally five, I think, if you finish in the top half. I think maybe five if you finish in the top four and four if you don't. Yeah, so can't really see Cologne. Yeah, I don't know. Mo or here, maybe, but... Yeah, I think that there's like, like to be fair, John John might be the best like John Hernandez might be the best player at that whole thing. Um so that's, that's a spicy take after we were just extolling um Fenerbahce. 
We might get a John Hernandez Ibrahim Yavuz game where they just fly up and down at each other. That would be amazing. Like a full court one on one game. <laughs> just clear out one side of the floor. I'd be so into that. Not even um, just play, play the game four on four and those two can just race like up and down one way. They can just sprint end line to end line, turn around and do it again. Yeah, just give them an, an extra ball and have like a tough post ups <laughs> competition. Um, uh, John wins that every day of the week. Um, yeah, Fernabache to win it. I think Jillian over, I would just about put them in second, but I think there's then Madiba here, Mo and Cologne, who might all internally believe they have a crack at finishing third. I so guess they do. I um, think the middle of that tournament is very interesting. Yeah, I'm actually quite. I'm actually quite looking forward to that. Um, I say that like I won't watch it because I will be at Euro <laughs> Cup one finals at the same time. But I'll, I'll watch it and tell you about it live on the podcast as yes. we're doing currently. As as is very much what's been happening over the last little bit <laughs> podcast. Yes. Um, right. Should we do Euro Cup one? Yeah, we probably should. All this, right. This might, unless that's, um, we'll get this out of the way. This might be worse than either Euro Cup two or three. So I'm going to aim to spend as little time on Group A of this as humanly possible. I think so, it is. Yes, I I was. I don't. I don't know. Like this was strange. But yeah. if the if any of these teams were good for a period in the last ten years, they end up in Euro Cup one. So. Yeah, Pilatus have been um, generally pretty solid, but built off the back of... I mean, it's essentially if the Swiss national team was a club, right? So do with that what you will. Um, yeah, so Group A in order is Lanyon, Bike Halakam Haifa, Pilatus Dragons, Handicap Sport, Bereze, and Only Friends. And- only Friends. Sub- subscribe to my Only Friends. <laughs> um, yeah, you could play like Boggle on these standings and reorder them into any one, two, three, four, five you could think of. And I think I would just shrug at you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's just none of these teams are going to go to respective tournaments and be heard from. That's my ultimate takeaway from this. Uh, It it was weird. Like, I don't, it's, it's just like, I don't, I keep kind of shrugging and kind of, beating around this but like the system that ends up with this being Euro Cup 1 is a bit weird this this is all based off historical precedent isn't it but I think given like the teams we've talked about between like Fenerbahce Sassari and then the Lepuy Hanover Vidal League group it's like why couldn't that just those five teams why couldn't that just be this group but obviously it isn't so by default, there did have to be an all-star five. So that went to Agnieszka Etavard, Francesca Roncari, Yannick Binder, Aaron Patterson, and Alain Duron. Um, really very little to say on this one, to be honest. This was probably the least watchable group out of any of them so far. Um, yeah. Obviously, the, the top three teams have all qualified for their various finals, so congratulations to them. Yep. Like, I, I think had they landed... Anywhere else they might have struggled to get to where they have, but somebody has to play somewhere. Yeah. Um, we do the other group. Yeah, I did a little bit more watching of this one just on account of there being at least two teams that I knew. Yeah. Um, but um, 
So it was part of a one color two London Titans three KKI Verbas four, and what what <laughs> what is this last team? Have a go at that. This team is actually the first team I ever played a Euro Cup game against, going all the way back to two thousand and eleven, I think. Wow, that is a deep cut. And the guy who's their main man now was their main man then, and he looked old at that point. So we couldn't get decent enough camera definition to see how old he might be at this point. Um, but yeah, their name is Kik Zmaj Gradachac. So if that means anything to any of our Bosnian listeners, then cool. Um, yeah, I, I apologize for just not wanting to butcher it and like making my way out of butchering it by kind of insulting it by accident. That's not a great way to not want to read it. But um, yeah, I watched Cologne against London just because I was interested to see what London Titans were doing. And obviously, we're 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 kind of semi Cologne fans at this point. I think we've just decided that we enjoy watching them slightly more than we did over the last well, few years. I think we just like Keita, really. Um, yeah, who, who bizarrely... Thomas Ryer. We're big Thomas Ryer fans. When this game was close, Cologne were going with... I don't know if this was potentially another junior point, though. Um, but the portion at which London were leading this game, uh, Cologne were going Thomas Ryer and Bulut Kodal, so they're two giants. And then, like, a two-pointer in their two ones, and it's like, you do know you can just sub Keita in here. Which they did, and they won the game. So yeah. maybe they've been. It isn't, it isn't a junior point thing because the junior point isn't a thing in Germany, so it wouldn't have been an issue. I, th- uh, I thought that, but then somebody said, and this is unconfirmed, so I may well be wrong on this. Um, but I think Thomas Ryer is like potentially like eighteen or nineteen, and I think Germany might have a younger junior point, like an under 19s rule or something like that. Um, yeah. If anyone does know if that was the case, but yeah. I, I don't know what was going on. I don't know if it was like foul trouble or chair trouble, but they their lineup they've been starting in the league since Mustafa went out, which is Kay, Bullock Kodal, and then Thomas Ryer and two ones. They just took Kay out for their two pointer and then put him back in and then they took over the game. Yeah. Um very weird London, thing to do, but Yeah. London I actually watched in person going back a few weeks and they looked very well drilled and pretty Formidable is maybe the wrong word, but they certainly knew what shots they were looking for. And in the game I saw in person, they were knocking those down. Um, yeah. I, was, I think they're well coached. I think, isn't it Lou that's coaching them now? I think Lou's assistant, and Matt Seeley, is their uh, like, yes. coach, but he's obviously on the floor for 40 minutes most games. So I think Lou Sogdens, they're like eyes on the bench. Sure. Um, but yeah, they to say how good they looked when I saw them a few weeks back, they... I certainly wouldn't have been surprised had they topped this group, but I wonder, I don't know if it was like a physicality thing of getting to Europe or if it was the real size of Cologne. Um, but both of the teams that finished above them in, in Cologne and Padova, so shout out to my boys at Padova first and foremost, they tried to press both those teams and those teams just answered their press like it was really no big deal, um, which is a little bit surprising to me because I would have thought London have got a pretty decent pressing unit. And yeah, because also- they kind of just go five mids at all points, I would have thought. Yeah. I mean, but it, maybe it is just illustrative of the gap between the British League and any of the decent yeah. leagues abroad, where yeah. you're like, wow, these guys look good in Northern General on a Saturday, <laughs> or a Sunday, sorry. Yeah. Um, 
and then um, go abroad to professional teams that play together all the time because they have the sort of ability to do that. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, the the two Bosnian teams finished fourth and fifth. Um, they were, I think you could see. You mentioned like professional teams just then. I think you could see the relative lag in like the competitions that these teams play in when you watch the Bosnian teams who I, th- I think both rolled out two big four fives who were pretty you know self-sufficient in terms of nailing mismatches but didn't have really many more dimensions other than that and I think that's generally like a really obvious sign with these teams is they rely on one or two guys to just hit tough shots and that's pretty much it yeah because I um, think if you're in a league that isn't quite as competitive that gets it done a lot of the time like how often and i have no idea what the standard of those leagues are compared to like the british league but how often is like oh yeah well this team has the best player on the floor and therefore wins all the games definitely um so yeah we touched on cologne part of it were the real story for me man they're they're not deep but their starting five is like coherent at the very least and uh, Abdel Bohania of the French men's team, who's been at Padova for a few years now, is kind of quietly actually very qualified to like lead a decent offense. And he was, yeah, yeah. I mean, we joke, you joke just there about, you know, the best player in the game. He kind of just ran the show in a lot of these games um, in a way that I think Cologne don't really have anyone who does. Like, we are obviously big Keita fans, but he's very much a, a fill in the gaps guy more than a an initiator and yeah I thought part of a between Buhanya being able to run the offense and their defense was pretty solid to say they roll out two ones in basically all their lineups I mean that almost doesn't count because one of their ones is Ahmed Rarahi who is overqualified as a 1-5 um yeah I thought part of it was just really solid man and they exploited their advantages against Cologne in a pretty disciplined fashion uh-huh. Yeah, they just ran London off the floor, which was bizarre. <laughs> like, I met the number of like dump downs and finishes from Ahmed in and around a team that's kind of five mids who are all capable of contesting a shot. And Ahmed was like, "Yeah, don't worry, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna finish this." Well, I guess the thing is, like, what makes Ahmed a one five is like the the arm and the two legs that aren't there. But like, once he gets. Once he catches the ball, he's like core strength, big long arm. Like it's still unbelievable what he does, but especially as he's getting older. But man, how that guy can finish is nuts. But I guess there's a thing of like it's not throwing it into a tiny one five with threes trailing him. Like he's still like the the little like catch, bury the ball in his chest, stick the back wheel out and kind of draw files or protect himself stuff. Like <laughs> every it gets everyone. It's it's great. <laughs> The dump down and finish is my second favorite Ahmed Rarahi signature. My absolute favorite is at least once a game. So he either jumps the shooter and somebody goes to pick him, or he's the defender on like whoever's going to set a pick on the other side. And once a game, somebody will like make chair contact just to like take him off his spot and they will hit him like they've run into like just a dry stone wall or I don't know what it is about if it's like being a double amp and having full core but being sat in a bucket I don't know if his center of gravity is super low but every now and then someone makes contact with him and then looks at him like did I just run into a fire hydrant kind of thing I I don't know what it is like 
This is something that I've experienced before. The amount of double amps that I've played against that are just absolutely solid and you would have no idea. It's as if they're like all the density of the bits that are missing has just been absorbed into the rest of their body. Like there's a long, long list of double amps that are just like, I don't know, like built like tree trunks for some reason. And I don't know what it is. Like maybe it's just putting all of that load through less body. Like you just, get stronger but like yeah but i think it's interesting because you like watch harry brown obviously who's like flies out of his chair and skitters at basically any contact which i mean he's like a solid dude as well that's what he he was one of my examples i didn't know if we were gonna end up naming names but he's 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 very like you can tip his chair because of where his weight's distributed where ahmed almost seems to have gone like the opposite i don't think i've ever seen ahmed tip out of his chair literally ever like no, it's like those little those little dolls that you push and they just bounce back up because they're <laughs> rounded on the butt. It is it is the bucket to be fair. Like he's yeah, just he's sure. probably sat like a f- half a foot lower than Harry at this point. Yeah. But right, so all stars for this group: Ahmed Rarahi and Abdul Bahania of Padova, Charlie McIntyre of London Titans. Shout out to him. I was gonna say uh, he he had a great tournament for um, I assume his first Euro League. Um, yes, unbelievable. Um, for well, quite a young guy to go over and get that done, especially yeah, after how, the day. How old was somebody asked me over the weekend? I think he, 16 was the number I had in my head. Uh, he was 17 at jump, at the the three-on-three, three, so depending on when his birthday is, he might be 18, but unbelievable. Like just Even just having the confidence in that clone game, he was just rolling on the floor and pulling. Like He hit a couple of shots after a couple of skips on the wing, and then he was coming down the floor and pulling early ones because he was feeling it, which is... A great sign, and long may it continue. He's he's a good guy and good basketball player, so yeah. nice so, yeah. first experience for him. Other two spots in there go to Balut Kodal of Cologne and Ante Stimac of um, KKI Verbas. So, yes. have a quick scan of the EuroCup 1 finals, which, without any spoilers, will feature a cameo from James McSorley. A cameo. How many minutes do I need to play for it to be a cameo? Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, this one's been held in Milan with Briante Cantu. Um, and this will be attended by Baskets Hamburg, Bidadeak, Bilbao, Lanyon, Hornets Le Canet, Santa Stefano, Galatasaray, and Padova Millennium. So this is... We're creeping up there in oh, terms of... Oh, yeah. And... All goes well. We're finally going to get the San Stefano and Le A game we've pined for for so long. I also, wonder if not me, not me saying that that has to be the Euro Cup one finals and then ending up going to Euro Cup. <laughs> <laughs> for God's I, sake. I think there should be an IWBF exemption where Alexi Ramone is allowed to go back to Le Canet for this tournament. Because he, I'm so, no, I'm such a big fan of the way Le Canet are put together now. Um, um, yeah, so we could. I think we could go around all day picking top three for this one. Um, I'll leave it to you because you're going to be there. Um, I think we're going to win it because I one I have okay. to do one I have to do that too. We have like we have played half of these teams and beaten them in our qualifiers. Um, obviously, we scraped by like and a smashed Galatasaray. Um, uh, Santa Stefano is the one that I'm like, oh god, because I think they're very good and I think they're sort of well put together. And 
like I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how their sort of play style goes against ours. But that's a game I hope we get to play, and it would be nice if it was a final or something. But what I really want from this is, in order, I'd love to win it. Um, I'd like to be in Italy for four days and drink lots of coffees, and I also want to see Santo Stefano play La Cane. Does any part when you say you'd like to play San Stefano in the final? Does any part of you worry what state you might be in if you have to go through Lacane in the semi-final to then get to San Stefano? It's giving me very. Um, in my head, mad. you'll be like whichever Terminator movie it is, where he's being like smashed up and he's just dragging himself with like a one-arm commando crawl. I was going to go for a Mad Max Fury Road, not my blood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, which you used as a reference, and I've since seen the movie and been like, "Oh my god, it's yeah. so good!" Um, yeah, it's it's gonna this whole tournament's gonna be a bloodbath because it's full of pretty good teams, but also specifically like there's like four or five teams there that just love absolutely trying to beat the other team into the ground. So yeah, looking forward to it. Also, not to count out Cantu, who haven't really looked amazing all year compared to the last couple of years but playing at home that's a massive crowd and that makes a difference and obviously they kind of ran through Sassari pretty easily so yeah, I think um, not a bad team I, I think one of the things I'm most interested in is because obviously these final rounds that eight teams have to take place across two courts I would really like it if at some point there's a Bilbao Cam 2 half court struggle going on and meanwhile on the other court Sam Stefano and Lacanea are just flying up and down at each other I want to have like both games on at once on like half a screen and see if I can tweak the like playback speed to get them so they look like they're happening at the same speed I love that or they can't find another court so they just put Lacanea and Santa Stefano on the track outside <laughs> <laughs> now um uh yeah as i say i i think we're gonna win it because i'd like to and have to think I'm, we're gonna win it i don't see any reason why we couldn't to be fair but um obviously you can't be like well we've beaten this team and that team and whatever when we like script by like an air by two for example but yeah i think in theory we have enough to get it done and we've obviously been missing david maurice for the last two euro cup rounds so hopefully he'll be there with us next time which gives us a big help yeah definitely right should we go to the big dance yes i would love to i thought you'd never ask (laughs) all right so do you want to start on the one i was at or the one i wasn't um i would say we'll do the honorable thing and start group a which is the one that took place in thuringen ah yes all right so that was thuringen one illunion two bilbao three portatoris four um man this was this was a lot of fun. Uh, nice tournament, well put together, and it, man, it was so much fun to be a part of something like this because I feel like I've been to a couple of Champions Cups now with Gran Canaria for two years, and oh, Gran Canaria once, and um, Bilbao last year, and I kind of, the expectation was that I wasn't going to get on the floor apart from up or down 30, and that was the case, so it was nice to get there and actually play um this time and yeah so we started off getting first day we got absolutely run into the ground by a union i think it was 22 in the end but it was kind of 15 at some point in the second quarter and never really looked back they looked very good very impressive they've now beaten us 
quite easily three times this season. I think we're going to play them twice again in the next month, all being well, because we have them in the league in a couple of weeks, and then we're on their side of the draw in the Copa del Rey, so all being well. Yeah. Um, we'll see them again, but uh, yeah, they kind of ran through us, man, so uh, it is what it is. They well, you, you say they ran through you. The game that was happening between the other two teams on the same day, Thuringen broke out their third digit in a Champions Cup quarterfinal game when they beat Paula Torres 114 to 54. And I think the bizarrest thing about the Thuringen win is you kind of look at that, you're like, oh, I don't think Paula Torres even did badly there. No, <laughs> they, they did okay. Like, you're not meant to do much better against Thuringen. Um, at halftime, I, I, I was like, all right, are they going to get 100 or not? Um, and like, that they did, yes, very much so. Um, but yeah, they it's fun, man, being in their gym with all the people they cram in and the big drums and big flags. It's it's really cool, and no wonder they like playing at home. Um, so yeah, they went out and put on a show for their first game next day. El Union, Porto Torres, Porto Torres actually put up a, a bit of a fight. Yeah. El Union was it like 55 43 at halftime or something? Yeah. Yeah, it was close, man. Which was just like both teams scoring. And I talked to a couple of little Union guys after, and I was like, were you guys just chilling? And they were like, no, we actually weren't. Like, because they've done that against Mo in the last round, and they didn't want to sort of embarrass themselves. And not even, they just didn't want to bring themselves into as much of a scrap as yeah. they did in the end. But Giddy Dan can like can absolutely shoot the lights out. So kind of kept so, them in it. Some of... We'll talk Porto Torres now because they obviously finished bottom of the group, but they are well deserving of a mention because they were like, I think going into this group, you would have said they would have done well to get within like 50 points of any of these teams. They basically play six guys. Um, a couple of their guys are juniors who've never played at this level before. And Katie Dunn has obviously, you know, become a fixture in the women's game, but this is her first season in Europe. And Katie Dandano and Tom McHugh should have some kind of competition to see who fears the moment less. I don't know how you would officiate such a thing, but <laughs> just um, like having this sort of like heart rate monitor stuff on that they do with a lie <laughs> detector, just to be like, okay, so being doubled on the wing, you sort of like you pivot out and shoot a fade away, it goes in. Your heart rate was at sixty-two beats per minute. Nice. Um, but yeah, man, like. I think the the two Israeli guys who are with Polotares are both pretty talented but pretty raw. Uh, I'm a big Radi Dagerman fan. I think he mm-hmm. is still small and a little bit skinny and probably needs a little bit of a chair setup tweaking. But yeah, that's something that like we watched him last year and we were big fans. I don't remember it was just in Euro Cups, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I was like, we wouldn't have watched their league, I don't think. But um, he, yeah, I think. A bit of a chair adjustment and also just over time, I think I think he'll get even better, but nah man, he was good. But yeah, they were they were nice pieces. Katie Dunno at points legitimately had me at least considering that she might knock off some of these teams virtually single handedly. Some of the possessions where she was catching the ball late and just not even like 
maybe faking a dribble and then just fading away into like a turnaround over. I think she got Pappy in your guys' game where she just like looked like she was about to dribble into it and just pulled it. Yeah. And yeah, man, she, I honestly, some of the stuff, some of the shots she was making is like, I joked about it when Canada won the three on three at the Commonwealth and she was just hitting her guards with dump downs. And I was like, she looked like Oscar go black out there. And she legit looked like I was going to go black knocking shots down here. And I was like, what is happening? I but, did have a moment watching Porta Torres and I was like, man, if Katie just had some of the Canadian women's low pointers in there to finish off a bit more, <laughs> she would actually be pretty well set up, but yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Porta I thought valiant effort against three, clearly better on paper teams. I don't think you could have really asked any more of them than what they gave. Um, wow. So yeah, I think you could argue they probably shouldn't have been here if they hadn't come from that funky group, but they yeah. made the most of the opportunity that was given to them. So shout out to them. Yeah, uh, we played them on the last day and um, job number one was win the game and get to EuroLeague and job number two was make an absolute massive massive fuss about the fact that there were two Northern Irish people playing in Champions Cup against each other. And man, did I do that. Yeah. Um, so that was, was... When, you, when you say job number two, was that a specific subtask for you or was that a team-wide incentive? That was me. That was me talking to Ayaka two days earlier, being like, anytime we're within like two meters of each other, you have to take pictures of us. Like <laughs> That was me being like, this is really special. And I, I want to make sure that I don't sort of, lose that in just trying to win a basketball game. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, so that was nice. Um speaking of things that were really special. Um the final guys, day. Well we'll we'll do the other day first because you guys ran Thuringen as close as basically anybody apart from Landil had up to that point. And yeah, it looked I I'll be entirely people will call me biased because I co-host this with you. Had the whistles been vaguely even in the first half, I think you guys might have snuck away with this one. But mm. there was a lot of there was a couple of like travel calls. Manu got three fouls in like the first four minutes or something stupid and, <laughs> because, of course, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So you guys lost to Thuringen by seven, and you guys were within a couple of minutes of sneaking out going to the final four, yeah, which <laughs> would have been. Wild, uh, especially like we got absolutely smoked by Alunion. I was like, "All right, we're done here." <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. To, like, what was the? I mean, these games you guys went into that presumably under no illusions that you were the underdog. But those games when they become close, I think everyone on the team kind of has the moment of, "Oh, this is like we're in this." And did you guys have that? And I guess, what was the moment where you knew it was within reach and what was the moment where they decided it wasn't? Um, so first quarter, we came back in and it was a win. <laughs> so uh, did you notice in this game, Adrian Garcia started the first play instead of Asier Garcia? Yes. Did you know that that was because we just like marked the wrong A Garcia down on the score sheet? I assume that was. I've... um. I'm guilty of having done that before when I was coaching where I just picked the wrong guy, but that was like, because I picked the person next to them rather than having two people with the same first initial and surname. Yeah, so easily done, but uh, Adrian Garcia, cheeky as we call him, came in. He was plus two in one play, and he was like, I don't want to say it. (laughs) But he was like, that wasn't like... 
that wasn't as mad as I thought it would be because I basically was like, they're going to have watched us struggle against Delunion Press and, and come out and just like, just like war crime levels of physical aggression. And uh, we were actually able to hold up to it pretty well. Um, a pretty good press break of putting the ball in Asia Garcia's hand and kind of having four people work to get stuff out of the way of him um, is is obviously going to help. But just looking at these stats, man, like our Julio, Manu and Mariana are all plus four and the plus minus. Um, me and Lucas, uh, a, a game high minus 11. Um, but we were just on the floor. Um as their run was coming in the fourth quarter. So we got in end of the first quarter and like we were under no illusions that they had the ability to sort of blow it blow it out at some point and go on a run. So our team doc was basically like, let's keep this tight, like keep it tight as long as possible. And you never know. When it gets to five minutes down and it gets pretty tight, like they may get nervous. But there was a point that we were up six or seven, I would say. Um I yeah. don't remember. Like you guys third. Went- you guys went into the fourth up five, I think. I'm doing that from memory because I don't have the stats open for this one. Sure, no worries. Um, but we went, um, yeah, we went into that. And there was one point where I was like, okay, so if they're pressing us, like unless the press really starts working, we start falling apart. Like I feel pretty good. Like we're kind of holding on defensively. Yeah. And then Jordy Ruse decided we weren't holding on defensively anymore. He had 21 in the game, and I feel like he probably had like 12 of them in a row in the middle of the fourth quarter. And he just took it from us, man. Like, unbelievable. Um, just like as clutch as they come in a couple of games this weekend. And I don't know, like we, we've all obviously seen Jordy play plenty of times, but I've heard people who've played with him be like, yeah, this guy, he just doesn't give a like he just doesn't give a damn like about these moments and we should add him into the heart rate monitor competition. Oh yeah. Unbelievable. I think he would just be his heart rate would just be up there, but he would just stay there. So it doesn't matter. Um but yeah, uh he was unbelievable and I think that's the sort of defining factor in them taking it away from us. We were kind of holding on for the press. Like we were doing all right and then he just like took it from us off- offensively. We also dried up um, on our end of the floor. We scored eight points in the fourth quarter, but that didn't really even feel like the factor for me. Strangely. Yeah, I, th- I think they, you guys kind of worked it, worked through it as you mentioned. You guys worked through it when they came out to press you, and I think a lot of teams fall for this against Bilbao, where they're like uh, they're kind of slow and deliberate. We'll press them, and it's like actually. All Bilbao ever want to do is hit one pick and then play like full court five on four. Like that's what they try and do off a miss. So you're presenting them with that opportunity. And I think they're in good when Jordy was knocking shots down like he did, were and they weren't as determined to force feed it inside and try and demolish you. I think it made their press that much better because they were just able to pick up in a flat line, which yeah. is like a very small detail to have, you know. You could say, well, maybe the difference is that the shots were going in and enabling that, but I actually think that defensive extra second they bought themselves because of the baskets coming from where they did were actually probably nearly as important as the two points at a time. Or three yeah, points. and they don't even they don't really like flatten you out in the in the 
free throw line or getting a line in the three point line or anything, they'll just like hit you on the baseline if they if they can, which is so taxing as well. Like just having to get through that every time you get up and down the floor. But yeah, that's a good point. I think that's something that I certainly believe, but I hadn't really thought of it in this in sort of terms of this game. But yeah, the idea of like I heard someone describe it as like feedback loops where it's just like one thing leads into another where I don't know the best way to start your defense is by scoring and the best way to start a good offense is by getting a rebound. Like um it's way easier way easier to defend when you score and way easier to get up on offense if they don't. Yeah. Um but uh yeah we just we just ran out of gas and it was weird because we they started a little run when we had our four bigs in with Mariana, and then we went to our second lineup, which was me, Adrian, and Lucas coming in and keeping two fours on the floor. And I kind of felt like when we came in, their run was kind of cemented. And I was like, oh, God, was that us? But then I spoke to someone, spoke to a couple of people afterwards, and they were like, no, I think you just like came in in the middle of their run and couldn't stop it anyway. Like, it's it's not like we were... It's not like we dropped off a whole lot. It's like they were just going by the time we came in. And it was like, all right, cool. This is this yeah. Is over. It's the basketball equivalent of when I realize that Delilah's upset about something and I've got about 30 seconds until she begins her meltdown. So I just hand her to her mum at that point. I'm like, well, oh. it's your problem now. That's basically what those subs did. Um, yeah. Well, no, like to be fair, like there's a world in which we come in and affect it. But yeah, no, just- true. Just full full disclaimer, that was a joke. I'm not that kind of parent, I hope. Um, but yeah, should we cover off the main event of your group, which was the Bulls and the Lunion game, the final game of the I weekend? I would love to. What a game, man. This was... This went from, oh, this could get ugly pretty quickly in Durgan's favour to, like, Terry, 35 points in 25 minutes. <laughs> what is happening um so what's the first half of this live and our slot to eat lunch in the tournament was halftime of this game so we missed the we've missed the handful of minutes at the start of the third quarter where they pulled it back but um so it was like they were down 10 the last time i checked and then by the time we'd like made it up to the court for the middle of the third quarter it was down to like three or four and Greg had 15 all of a sudden, which I don't remember how many he had at the half, but it was not. Greg, Greg had six at halftime from what I remember. Yeah, so I there was um, Lucas's family and Lucas's girlfriend were uh, there at the side of the court, and I was like, excuse me, what happened? Um, why is it only three or four now, and was it Greg? And they were like, yes, <laughs> it was. But uh, I don't know. I feel like this was... Um, one of those, like I, I, I looked at the scoreboard at one point, and it was Terry and Greg as perimeter scorers in double figures, and everyone else in single figures. Hasso went zero from six, two fouls, and a turnover to start the game with a game low minus twenty one, which was so when you when you get a minus, it's a game high, but when Hasso gets one, it's a game low. Uh, I was being sarcastic and making fun of myself, and I would not like to do that to my my friend and <laughs> my, my my good friend and ex teammate uh, Hasso, uh, because I care about him. Uh, yeah, he had a he had a pretty rough one. Obviously, 
it's a thing I talk about all the time where I think like being the biggest guy on the floor all the time when you then come up against other giants, it's not even like I think people assume it's like a uh, you're afraid of it or what it's not that it's just like oh wow these guys can contest me i actually have to adjust my shot like i have to take it out of my pocket and i have to extend and maybe shoot a post up with a fully locked like a fully extended arm rather than where i'd normally pull it stuff like that and yeah i really thought the size affected him yeah hasso's struggle in this game was actually very reminiscent of Vahid's struggle against Albacete almost this time last year. Yeah, 100%. Like, a, ju- just the, oh, there are other guys that are this size on the floor. Yeah. But yeah, uh, um, Illunion obviously changed tact and brought Terry in. And I thought Bulls were very strange in how they wanted to try and defend that. And I think they got a little bit too cute with, like, trying to blitz him with Mari Kier all the time. And it's like, you've got so many mobile guards just put them on him <laughs> like yeah but um, it was like there's a weird thing of there aren't many like because a lot of terry scoring was sort of mismatch shooting there aren't many mismatch shooters that you wouldn't be like all right jordy ruiz beating the life out of them on their foot plate from 15 feet and like getting back on and extending i'm kind of happy enough with that because i think they were fairly content to go like jordy or Joachim or even jens or um Bodniax, who is a one five but also is just massive and jacked. Um, but he doesn't care. Like Terry posted me up three times in three offenses in our game, and on the third one pushing back to defense. I literally or him pushing back to defense, me pushing to try and cross him out. I was beside him and I went, It's like you don't even see me, do you? <laughs> but it's that, like he is just he's Terry Bywater, man. Like anyone who cares enough about the sport to still be listening will be like, Yeah, <laughs> obviously he he like, I think you would need to take the ball out of his hands for him to, like, care about how you're defending him. Uh, yeah. He was unbelievable for a big stretch. Um, but... Yeah, Thuringen really had to kind of strengthen numbers their way into balancing out his offensive showing. Um, Haluski and Vahid did their thing, but they got, obviously, 20-odd points from Jordi, and I think they got double digits from Lyndon as well, because he... Doesn't even get out of bed unless it's against one of the other <laughs> top four teams in Europe. But um, yeah, I thought Joachim Linden's the best. <laughs> he he's awesome, man. But I love that he like chills until it's time for the big game. Then he's like, All right, let's strap up. Um, yeah, he's also like a foot taller in his chair than I felt like he was watching streams. Like <laughs> the first time I ever played against him, and I was like, this guy is so big for yeah. a two-five. Um, so yeah, I mean, the upshot of this is Bulls win this game by three to take the top spot. Illunion finish second. They both go to the final four. Um, we'll use this as the transition over to the other group, but what do you think each of these teams sees in there? We're going to get, you know, a German on German and a Spain on Spain matchup to kick off the final four, but there's, I think there's lessons learned from each of these teams in the kind of team that they've just dealt with and obviously vice versa from the other group. Um, so what do you think Bulls are, you know, eyeing up Albacete at this point? And obviously Illunion have already played Landil, but do you think the top four has crystallized in order of favourites now? Um, yeah, well, I guess it's it, we're at a point where like, 
Well, first of all, I'm just excited that we're probably going to get like we're 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 finally going to get we're probably going to get the crossovers that we haven't seen yet. We haven't seen Turingen Albacete is the only one yeah. at this point, and I would like to see that. But uh, I say probably like I think that tells you what I think about top four <laughs> at this point. But um. Yeah, I don't know. The thing about any of these teams, we said it a while ago, like I think any of them could still win it. Like I think obviously if you go Terry with twenty five and or thirty-five and twenty-five minutes, if you kind of learn from that and stretch Terry's minutes out a little bit, or um or the opposite turn can figure out a way to stop Terry uh based on watching it back, like you kind of Yeah, I think scales there a little bit, but I think um, you, in the crossover you mentioned we've not seen yet, I think that raises the question of whether Bulls are going to sort their defense out when they end up with Filipski on Amiab because I think, like, obviously Elunion can go Terry and Bill and Hasso as two giants, but Amiab have kind of two giants out there all the time and Filipski is the main source of outside shooting. So if they're going to let Filipski go off in the half court, then they might be in real trouble, but maybe this game is informative as to how they can counter that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, I don't know. Cause I think as well, like if you're, if Phillips, starts going off in the same way as Terry did, but I don't, I, I don't really think they score in the same way that regularly. Like, I don't yeah, think, yeah. I don't think Phillips dribbles into elbow mismatches as much as Terry does. He can like any of those guys can score the ball from anywhere, but if you're going to put some size into Figuring that out, you've got Lee and Alejandro go into the basket, and Phil is also a giant. Um, yeah. I think they just, I want to see these two guys play, um, which is maybe that maybe helps me stay away from predictions by being like, I would just like to see that because I want to see everyone play each other. But um, staying away from predictions doesn't sound like you. It um, doesn't. Um, uh, uh, yeah, the real predictions were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Should we do the all-stars for this group before we jump over? Probably should. Uh, Yeah, all right. Do you happen to have them in front of you, or will I just have to go from memory? Group A all-stars is Alex Halewski of Thuringen, Asia Garcia of Bilbao, Katie Dandano of Porto Torres, Greg Warburton of Illunion, and Marie Kier also of Thuringen. That's one hell of a five. I was going to say, not a lot wrong with that. Um, Jordi Rui is not making that left yeah. knee a little bit icky, but also, like, I don't know who, like, knocking Greg off. Could you have done that? Maybe, but also, Illunion finished second, so they should probably get an all star. And I don't think Thuringen should have had three. Um, yeah, and also, like, um, like Greg and Jordi were two of the. If you could find a way to get them both in, that's fair, but I don't think you were taking Greg out for Jordi, considering they were both yeah, unbelievable for their teams, and Greg played about twice as many minutes, probably. And if Katie Dandano had been taken out after the show she put on, I would have rioted. Yeah, entirely fair. Okay, should um, we get the other group? Yeah, sorry, I'm just like, yeah, Jordy played 25 minutes a game, and I'm sure Greg probably played closer to 40, so I wonder if that is a factor. or yeah. should, Well, I don't think it is, because I don't think people I don't think people actually put as much thought into it as they maybe should, but like, I think it's a reasonable <laughs> thing to think about. Um but yeah, if there was a way to get those two guys on the in the same ones, sure. But like, I don't know. Oh wait, no, Greg also only played twenty five minutes a game. That's interesting. Never mind. Why did it feel like he played forty? Unearthed a conspiracy here. Um, 
Yeah, we'll do the Albacete group. So final rankings, Amiab Albacete, first place, RSV Landil, second place, Galatasaray, third place, and Akani Gran Canaria, fourth place. So again, this one went roughly as expected. I think maybe the most surprising part of this was the fact that Galatasaray stormed to third place in I messaged you and Mandel as the game was going on for third, fourth, but Galatasaray had potentially the greatest display of brute force shot making (laughs) I've ever seen. (laughs) You call it brute force shot making. What exactly do you mean? There was just, there was a couple of possessions in a row where it was like Gobelak got behind the screen with what's the two pointer for Galatasaray called? Uh, Hussein Dalman. Dalman, yeah. Um, and he had him on the screen for him, but the defenders on that side were like, were, sorry, were Alexi Ramane and Jorge Salazar, who were just both in, insistent on jumping and recovering and delaying Goblak as much as he could. And he tried to dribble off the defender, got back inside, the next guy went, he tried to dribble off, couldn't get there, the defender went back inside. And he did that for about 14 seconds, realized the shot clock was getting low, and then made like a half turn as Salazar got to him and just shot like an 18 foot bank shot that was as pure as snow. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, was, I was like, he did that. And then he made like a 22 foot post up a possession or two later. Uh, and then he actually missed a very well contested one. And Chem just grabbed the rebound over Salazar's head with one hand and threw it at the backboard with utter disdain. And that drops. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, these guys are just like the, so that's what I mean by brute force shot making that they were just able to, work their way into difficult shots that they seemingly had no issue with as their yeah. sustenance. But um Yeah, it was weird because Gerblak came to us a month ago and barely played, but obviously Piat Lusinski not being there for whatever reason. Yeah, um, it's been a, um it's about a year since Piat's wife died and I think oh. from what I heard there's some Polish tradition where it's then like a family union type thing every year on the anniversary. So I take that to be it. So thoughts. Oh wow, that's a weird thing to 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 know. Um, I I wondered if it was like I hadn't played in the league enough and shouldn't be playing Euroleague thing, or I God knows, but yeah, wow, didn't know it might be that. Yeah, no, that's apparently it. Um, I didn't. I knew roughly this time last year that his wife had passed, and then Ben told me that Filipski had said that that's like the Polish tradition, apparently. So that's oh, okay. Well. Why. Yeah, was absent, but um. Wow, fair enough. But uh, ooh, yeah. So yeah, so big Gerbalak performance. To to move on slightly, it was old school Gerbalak, which was a lot of fun, and it says a lot about when he's going that he has twenty four, and his pick and roll partner um ended up with what like sixteen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh... That 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 Dalman guy say he's just burst on the scene, man. He's twenty eight, which I like. How have I never? This is what you were talking about with like player movement in Turkey. Is like he's probably been playing for like Izmir or Yezentep for however long, and it's like I oh, know he's good. Um, but yeah, I think you look at Galatasaray's like younger core of like Bulut, uh, Gunaydin, Dalman, and then you look at some of the Turkish guys who've kind of established themselves but are still young and it's like Kamel Khan and we're top rack and whatever it's like there's yet another wave of talent coming in from Turkey by the looks of things yeah but yeah I thought Galatasaray obviously they ran Lance 
deal to a five-point game, which we, we haven't really referenced yet, but they looked like they were ready to steal that one. I don't know if it's given like the number of Euro Cup finals that used to be between Galatasaray and Landil. I don't know if that just organically makes Galatasaray step up a level. Um, but yeah, this was... They very nearly stole that one, and then they couldn't really hang with Albacete just because of the style of play kind of thing. Um but yeah, I mean, shout out to Galatasaray and coming in. That it's similar to what I said against Cantu about Cantu the other week, where it's like it's weird to see these teams that are a powerhouse a handful of years ago be almost like the underdog story. But Gerbalak is incredibly easy to root for when he's knocking shots down. It's just like I, I could watch this guy do this all day. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. Um. And shall we talk about the big one? Let's do it. So this was Amiab 74, Landil 65. Um, Landil up at halftime by eight. And Amiab just before halftime come out with um, Alejandro, Lee, Phil, Harry and Oscar um, just to bring the defense. And so, yeah, I think they played like three minutes in the end of the second quarter. And it was so interesting for them. Like that's a big call to sit Filipski for basically a full half and then some. And it worked out. If you look at Harry and Oscar were both plus seventeen in a game that they'd won by nine. Like unbelievable. Um Yeah, man. I thought this was interesting because normally they don't even play that lineup in the league because they can put Ben in Harry's spot because Oscar gets the the junior point. Um, and yeah, I thought this was, I looked at this and I wondered if there was going to be enough shooting to make it viable. Um, because obviously you've taken Filipski off and neither, like Oscar's kind of a knockdown guy when he's left open, but it felt like there wasn't enough outside shot creation to get him those spots, but then he knocked down two bank shots mid third quarter and it felt like that swung the momentum a lot. Yeah. But um, it's not even like it's not even the shot making. It's like do you have a guy on the floor when Fifi is off there that you're gonna be able to just throw the ball to and they'll be able to either create or just take a load of shots and Phil stepped into that role and went nine from twelve. <laughs> yeah. No that's like nine from twelve, seven rebounds, seventeen assists. <laughs> yeah, I thought the I mean that lineup Albacete kind of had that in the pocket because they've not used it all year and there's no, like, maybe this is reading into it too much, but there's obviously, I very much doubt Landil had game planned for that unit because they've not seen it. Um, But that was just the best balance of defense and it felt like Landil had really honed in against the Albacete starters on making the bigs jump and play out of position and capitalizing, like, Rio posting up against Charlie Morse many times. That was going to damage Albacete if that was allowed to carry on. And, I mean, you can shoot over the top of Oscar on Rubio if you so wish, but he's not letting you within 25 feet of the basket <laughs> to do that. Just, I mean, it's yeah. not dissimilar to what we talked about with Ahmed, man. It's like you watch, like, Rio or Gunther go at this guy and it's just, like, running into a brick wall. Um, yeah, he's so quick. He also... They've kind of, and the Spanish uh, men's team have done it recently too. Obviously, same coach makes sense. 
but they've kind of employed Oscar Onrovia to just like one-on-one a certain perimeter scorer. Like I've seen them do it with Greg. I've seen them do it with Tommy now where it's just been like, all right, Oscar, you're on this guy's footplate. Like we, we're not helping you unless you really need it. Like if you get into the, once you get inside the three point line where you have to switch, like we can switch you out of there. But like this guy doesn't get going and he, yeah, he's amazing at that stuff. Like he's so quick, but I think when Landale kind of move the ball as well as they do to kind of, kind of, I don't know if their end goal is like open mid range shot, but I don't know if you're moving the ball to try and get open mid-range shots and it's like, all right, how about quite well-consested mid-range shots for a full half? I think that kind of changes the equation. You end up with eight points in the third, 13 in the fourth. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, that that Albacete unit shut it down, man. I... Which is unbelievable, but like I say it's unbelievable, I think. So as well, uh, Lee, Phil, Harry, and on Rubia shutting people down isn't unbelievable. Like no, I think five absolute fair. beasts. I genuinely wonder if Albacete will go to this unit in the league now. Like they are obviously can play a, above that points wise, but I wonder if this unit brings some advantages that maybe even the higher point units don't in terms of having the two quick guards to chase everybody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought Albacete, they won this game by nine. They held Landil 65 and, uh, you know, 44 of those were in the first half or whatever it was. Um, yeah, man, I thought Albacete really had the chance to, I mean, they had the chance to stay basically the only undefeated relevant team in Europe at this stage. And they did just that in pretty dramatic fashion. And yeah, yeah. by contrast, as one of us may have called and one of us may have speculated against, Landil have now lost to all three of the other teams in the final four. So there's going to be a little bit of, um, I don't know if you'd call it soul searching or like self-assessment again, but Landil have probably got some questions to answer about themselves before the final four tips off. Not that they're in any way incapable of beating any of these teams, but I think they've had some of their flaws exposed um, like you said, in being a little, maybe a little bit mid-range dependent, and especially in this game where Gundner was going inside against Lee and Zazuela, he kind of has managed with it against Thuringen, but yeah, he certainly didn't have his typical impact in this game, and I thought that had a massive knock-on effect for their other guys. Yeah, I just think there's a level of variance that comes with being so perimeter dependent, but also, if you told me that uh, Landil went to Final Four and were just hot for a weekend and won the whole thing. I'd be like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, so, the whole thing is winning two games, right? Which is not unachievable for any of these teams. Yeah, can um, you stay hot for a weekend? Yes. Yeah, I imagine so. I don't know. I can stay hot for two shots. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean the the subplot of Albacete not playing Filipski in the second half is certainly one to keep an eye on because. I would have said all their best lineups involve him at one point or another, but yeah, I think if they can pull out a game like this with Filipski not playing in the second half, then sky is the limit officially. Yeah, I'm sure they feel great about that, which is which is handy, especially like being able to like score enough in that lineup as well. Yeah. Right. Cool. Do we want to do our last segment before we get out of here? All right. Oh wait, All Star Five first. Um, for yeah. that, that was uh, Matthias Guntner, Matthias Filipski, Jorge Salazar, Phil Pratt, and Charlie Moore. Yeah, yeah. Sure. cool. Shout out, to Sam. 
Shout out to Salazar, by the way. We didn't really mention Gran Canaria because they finished last, but I thought he had a hell of a tournament and he played well, seemingly independent of matchup, which was not any small feat given the variety of opponents they played. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what we're going to do now for the last couple of minutes here is we are going to, I think, fix the Euro Cup might be slightly self-congratulatory, but we were talking about it earlier today and we've kind of referenced it in this episode, how the groups and the standings and whatever are all in a little bit of a muddle because of the last few years being so disjointed and teams kind of building up gradually and whatever. So we are going to in the style of like an international tournament and we're not going to ask any questions about how this hypothetical would pan out. We're just going to create our own tournament and decide which teams get invited to really battle it out for the true best team in Europe title. And that's a really snappy tournament name. I like it. Yeah. Thanks. I asked you this question. There's no limit on how many teams you can have. If you want to pitch your tournament format and get weird and wacky, then please feel free, but let's see what you got. Ooh, okay, so you told me you had 12 teams, right? I had 12 teams. Um, I think I have 12. I get, I mean, I can list them now if you want. I think it would give you the order in which I think they would finish because you obviously, as you're trying to think of the 12 teams, you get less and less convinced the further down the list you get. Shall I rattle mine off? Yeah, why not? Okay. So I will go the final four who have made it. So I'm just reading this list off. I'm not necessarily reading these in order, but that final four is Amiel Albsetti, Thuringia Bulls, Illunion, Landil. That's four. My next four, when I was thinking about if it could be an eight-team tournament, was in some order, Bilbao. Uh, um, I think Fenerbahce are up there. They are. We've only seen them against weaker competition, so... Do that what you will. San Stefano, Hanover, and then my ones after that were... I'm doing this off the dome, so forgive me if I get any of these wrong. It's all were, right. Valladolid, Galatasaray, and then who else have I missed along my travels here? Let me pull these teams up. Wiesbaden. Wiesbaden, I did miss Wiesbaden. Good shout. Did you, did you have Mercier in there, or was that too late? No, Mercier were my last cut. They were... I had to battle out between them and um, Vidalid, but I would be happy with either of them. And, yeah, I think... I don't think it was Lipui when I made my list, but in the absence of me being able to think who it was, I'll throw Lipui in there until I remember who my other team was. Yeah. So I, don't know, like, I was thinking Lacane or Lepuy, but oh, I guess... it was, was Lacane. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, they, they didn't play this weekend, so they've been not top of mind for me. So yeah, that's one, my twelve. One Italian team, interesting, but also I think it's fair because I don't know about Cantu anymore. But so that's my twelve. Split them into two groups of six, and then top four of each team go through into the quarterfinals. Bottom four play out like the remaining spots and. I cut. I did the cutoff at twelve there because I think when you get into like the Mercia, um, Lipui kind of territory, I think you're not really reckoning with teams who could convincingly pull off any upsets. Like that was cut. Like Galatasaray, we nearly saw them beat Landil. So that's kind of what I'm thinking of. Is like if they show up full team on form, are they going to give one of the high ranked teams some trouble? If so, then they're welcome to the tournament. 
Yeah, I don't think I can argue with that. Um, I was just waiting to be like, did you miss Wiesbaden or did you miss Lekane or someone? But yeah. Wiesbaden were the ones I'm thinking. I was trying to work out a way to get Munsterland in there, but... But I just don't think... Yeah, and Zor- Zoran Muller's an AB. So <laughs> it's uh, like, yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my 12. And I think as much as I've loved watching Eurocup, I think maybe we're at the point where it's ripe for just clean slating it and kind of redoing the brackets at some point because this I think this is like messy to the point where Hanover and Fenerbahce are each going to win their respective lower down competitions and it's going to be like man if we'd have just shoved those into EuroLeague 1 instead of those two Israeli teams who have no right to be there then we would be all the way there. Yeah, obviously you can't just be like, ah, no, I think these teams are better. I'm shifting them about. But yeah, it'd be nice if we could end up in a place where everyone was kind of where they were meant to be. I wonder, does it just come with the instability of wheelchair basketball teams where you can either go down the toilet or become really good in like a two-year span with investment because teams have players generally sign one year at a time? Yeah, yeah, I think think that's probably it. Cool, well, we just need to fix that, and then we can do our EuroCup idea. Yes, and it would have the lovely side effect of more job stability for the people that matter, the people who play. Um, Before you get get all players union on us, shall we get get out of here? Yes, let's get out of here. All right, Uh, that was EuroLeagues um, and Champions Cups. And yeah, we'll be back next week. Listen to the Abdi episode already. Go ahead and do that. I appreciate it. People have probably been watching a lot of games and whatever, but make sure that one doesn't slip under the radar. Yeah, that was amazing. We had a a lot of fun. Abdi's the best. So, yeah, have a listen to that, and we will talk to you next week. Mark, I will see you in a handful of days. You will, and we will be getting ready for a live podcast, I think. Oh, Jesus, probably. All right, cool. Peace. Talk to you soon. Bye.